0: welcome to unquenchable love with brian francis hume each week brian will present a christ-centered teaching to increase your passion for the godhead It is our hope that this podcast will be a burning lamp that leads you on a path to encounter god's unquenchable love for you and now our host brian francis hume if you have your bible we're gonna jump right in and I just wanted to deliver a message tonight Uh, thank you for just extending grace as we were just ministering as the Holy Spirit was uh, directing us step by step and I just believe we're in a moment here where I just want to unpack a few thoughts with you from the Word of God thank you Father but this weekend the title of these two messages have been "Mantled in Christ and so last night we talked about the authority of the believer we're unpacking what is the mantle and I've basically proposed that there's two different threads that make up the very fabric of this mantle in Christ that we're called to walk in and those two threads include the authority that we have in Christ and then the anointing that we're to walk in through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so tonight we're gonna talk about the anointing of God and I'm gonna open with a verse from 2nd Kings chapter 13 verse 21 2nd Kings chapter 13 verse 21 I'll go ahead and read it 2nd Kings 13 verse 21 so it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha he revived and stood up on his feet now what are your first thoughts when you read that very verse what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind you're probably saying man those are some anointed bones wow i want to have bones like that now what if i were to tell you that that this very verse that we just read in second king chapter 13 verse 21 could very well be one of the most tragic moments in all of scripture. Why would I say that? Last night, we looked at another passage where Elijah was called of God to go and anoint Elisha as a prophet in his place. And so when Elijah in 2nd King chapter two was taken up in the whirlwind, what happened to his mantle? It fell. And who had the eyes to see the mantle? Elisha. So he went and he picked up the mantle. He picked up the mantle. He had the mantle. So in other words, he had the authority and anointing of God that was left behind when Elijah was taken up. So a mantle should never go with us to the grave. The anointing on your life should be passed on to the next generation. Jim, you hear me, a spiritual father passes on his mantle to the next generation, to spiritual sons and daughters. They don't take that mantle with them to the grave. That's why this is such a tragic moment. Elisha did not raise up a prophet in his place. The woman right there, you're called of God to raise up many spiritual sons and daughters. I just see many spiritual sons and daughters coming out of your womb, out of your womb. So I just want you to hear the word of the Lord tonight. God is putting, He's, he's uh, engrafting something in you tonight, this weekend, by the Spirit of God. But there are many spiritual sons and daughters that are gonna come out of your spiritual womb for the glory of God, amen? Bless you, bless you. And so we, when we take our last breath, we're gonna have already imparted that mantle into the lives of those that we have raised up in the grace of God. It may just be two individuals, or it could be 200. It just depends on the call of God and, and the spirit he's called you to cultivate, to steward before him. But you are called, you are called by God To obey the very words of jesus to go and likewise make disciples of all nations so the invitation for us tonight to walk in the anointing of god is an invitation to serve the scripture says in acts chapter 13 that david served the purposes of god in his generation he served you know i just saw recently uh this post and I said, if you are waiting on God, learn like a waiter to serve others. Huh, I thought it was pretty good, it was pretty good. And so if you are in a holding pattern, there's somebody here last night, I know I said holding pattern, and you're waiting on God for that moment to step into it, find an opportunity to serve, to serve others. Just serve with the heart of Jesus ooze with the love of God who where's my my oozer bad right over there just ooze with the love of Jesus wherever you go and serve 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 and so so here we see a, a tragic moment when this man I mean obviously it wasn't tragic for the dead man that was thrown into the tomb of Elijah I, I don't want to uh, belittle that but as a whole In terms of that mantle should not have been resting in his bones. should have been resting on a prophet that was walking in a double portion of the anointing that was on Elisha's life and it should have been doing double the amount by the Spirit of God so tonight we're not going to allow what God has put in us to go to the grave it's been said I believe it was Miles Monroe that said one of the richest places in the earth today are the cemeteries. Because there's so many unwritten books, so many unpublished songs, so many ideas that went to the grave. And likewise, we're not going to permit anything that God does in us to go to the grave. Amen? so i want to take a brief moment i got a lot of scriptures here but i want to take a moment here because in the life of elisha he actually had a protege and if if you have your bible go ahead and turn to second king chapter five he actually had somebody that he was raising up And the man name was Gehazi. And I might be mispronouncing that. I I don't know. I've always heard Gehazi, but it could be slightly different. In second Kings chapter five, verses 20 through 27, we see here where Elijah has just seen a demonstration of the power of God. Where this uh, this um this general was healed. Of leprosy and so so then in verse 21 they're going off Elisha did, didn't he refused to receive any gift from him as he did not want to that to potentially taint his uh, his ministry and so so he did not receive anything that moment but Gehazi is there and so so when their caravan goes off Gehazi thinking oh man let's go just look at verse uh, 20 but Gehazi the servant of Elisha the man of God now hold on let's just pause right there so here in verse 20 Gehazi identifies him as a servant and so he was supposed to be serving the man of God who would be serving the purposes of God in Elisha's life and ministry So that was the original intent of God's heart for Gehazi in that moment. And he said, look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hand what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Now, let me ask you something. If I am serving you, they might to take something from you? No, that, that's, that's the opposite. Serving is I'm looking for opportunity to give. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 20, there was a little argument going on. It's like who to be the greatest among us? Man, that's me. No, no, me. I'm going to be the greatest. So you have this little you know inner conflict going on. So how did Jesus settle the dispute? He said, "The greatest among you will be a servant of all." I mean, that's to that's call the greatness because serving is like, how can I elevate you? How can I come alongside you and elevate you even at my expense? I'm not, I'm not looking to take. That's what Jesus wants in us. The heart of a servant that is modeled after Philippians chapter two, where Jesus himself humbled himself and became a servant. And so, so here, we see that Gahazi <laughs> has failed the test, unfortunately. And so I'm not gonna go verse by verse here in this context for time's sake, otherwise we would be here till two AM in the morning. But I want you to know that that he had an agenda. He had ulterior motives that were not pure and God allows us, you and I, to go through these testings to expose some things in our heart that need to be addressed by the Lord. And so, so going back to Second King thirteen, verse twenty-one regarding the bones, I'll just say the bones. So, so who was at fault for that? Because here in this context we kept reading we see uh, God had come back with some goods that he got and he kind of you know hides it and then Elijah looks at him and says where have you been he goes, oh just you know hanging out on the property no my spirit was with you when you chased after Naaman and took the gifts and so then he left uh, leprous with the very thing that Naaman uh, had been cured of so my, my question looking at the context of the story is uh you know who was at fault for this tragic story regarding the bones was it simply all on Gehazi that that you know he did not have the right heart and that he was trying to swindle his master if you will and, and there certainly uh, there there is certainly responsibility on his part for that story but the reality is ultimately Elisha if if Gehazi wasn't one who uh, had passed the test Elisha should have raised up another protege to be a prophet in his place I have another whole series of messages I've done on second King chapter 2 because in that context you see Elijah intentionally testing the heart of Elisha at four different places Marvelous message. I love preaching that when I go to different Bible schools and teaching on those four uh, places. But my whole point in mentioning that is this Elisha had modeled for him what it should look like. He should have taken Gehazi through that same testing of the heart. Thank you, Father. So tonight, how can you and I ensure? That we are walking as Christ would walk, as servants of all. You know, First John 2, 6. John, the, the, uh, it's often referred to as the, the apostle of love. He mentions in verse 6 that we are to walk as Jesus walked. So if God calls us to walk as he walked, He's going to empower us by the Spirit to do as Jesus did. And so obviously much of that was modeled on the heart of a servant. And so what does it look like for you and I to cultivate that heart, the right heart in the secret place so that we can ensure that we are both walking in that Mantle, and, or I should say, as we pass on that mantle to others. So I want to uh, just look quickly at Psalm 23. Okay, I want to tie this in to something that I, I I spoke last night prophetically. Okay, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We're talking about the anoint the anointing of God tonight. Thank you, Father. The anointing of the Spirit. Now, keep in mind when we talk about the anointing, you know, what's interesting is uh, when you look in the Greek uh, at the word Christ, it means literally anointed one. And so Jesus is the anointed one. And if we're to be like Jesus, walk as Jesus walked, guess what? We're to walk as anointed ones as well as we unveil Christ to others. Amen and so so when we're talking about the anointed one we want to be uh saturated in the anointing of God we want that uh they often refer to the anointing as uh being uh smeared all over us saturated because when when someone in the old testament when a priest or or a king was anointed with the precious anointing oil, uh, there was six quarts that was poured over that individual. So it wasn't like just this little, uh, you know, like a little, you know, you get the, that little thing from Israel and you put a little on your finger and it, nice little dot. No, it was like, hey, come here, buddy. <laughs> you know, back in, back in the eighties, there was this popular trend in the NFL football game where at the end of the game, the winning team would grab the Gatorade bucket And like dump it over to coach, and it'd be like this bitter cold weather, and they you know have all the ice coming out. Well, that's like getting anointed with this with the anointing of God, man. Ah, thank you, Father. And so, so here in Psalm twenty three, verse five, we see this this beautiful. And and you guys know Psalm twenty three. I mean, that was penned by David, and and as you know, David was a shepherd boy. And so he's he's writing this psalm out of a a a uh, personal hand experience as a shepherd and he's he's also writing not only from his own personal viewpoint and experience but also out of the revelation that that jesus was the good shepherd and so verse 5 says this you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runs over now last night I prophesied after worship something about tables of breakthrough that God was preparing here and I just feel like we need to uh just camp on this little verse here as I continue this message here but I believe that it's important for us to understand the value of these tables of breakthrough that's where you're going to experience the the anointing of god where god smothers you and saturates you and pours out the anointing oil now this this very verse is absolutely uh, astounding when you think about it he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies now how many of you have been in the midst of a battle you've been in a war. And it's like sometime when you're in a war, it's like you're just like seeing all this stuff going on. It's like ah, you know, you know bombs going off and 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 you know all this stuff and you're just like you're almost like overwhelmed by what you're taking in. But what the Lord wants you to learn to do in the midst of the battle is, Lord, where's the table that you're preparing for me? If I'm in the battle amongst my enemies, Where's the table? Find the table, find the table. Because the Lord himself, the good shepherd, Christ himself has prepared a table for you, right? And so next time you feel like you're getting your butt whooped, you got to remember, no, Jesus, the good shepherd, has already kicked some mucho butt on the cross. and and he wants me to come to the table to sit with him to sup with him in a place of intimacy while the enemies are all around because when you sit at the table with Jesus you can't help but be fixated on him it's like I mean it can be like a nuclear bomb going off. you're just like eye-to-eye with Jesus you're just like man you're just lost you just look into the eyes of Jesus That's the table that he had prepared for you in the midst of your enemies. Because let me tell you, I told you last night, the cross, Jesus annihilated the devil. He is a defeated foe. The only authority he's allowed to have is that which you give to him. And so at the table, you look at Jesus in the eyes. You look at him face to face and it's like, man, when you look at the eyes of Jesus, I mean, yes, he might be, you know, a sweet little lamb of God. But when you look into the eyes, you're seeing the eyes of the line of the tribe of Judah. Those are fierce eyes. And have you ever looked into the eyes of someone fierce? It's like, man, you feel it in you. It's like, whoa, whoa, man, those are some fierce eyes right there. It's like impartation when you look into the eyes of Jesus and you see that fierceness in him. And so then, it's like, man, you suffer with him, that place of intimacy, that table of breakthrough. You're looking to the eyes of Jesus and this all hell being broken loose. The enemy trying to do anything he can to distract you. But you're just staying steadfast in that place where you just you lock eyes with God. Now, somebody one time asked me, Brian, what is your definition of the secret place? And who's, who's, uh, Gloria, Gloria, make sure you write down this in your notes. I I know you're somewhere back there, Elijah's mom. But the definition of the secret place is this. It's where we, as sons and daughters of God, lock eyes with God himself. Oh, man. I mean, that's pretty good. Where you lock eyes with God himself. In this secret place. Man, I get excited talking about that. That's a whole nother message. But that's the table of breakthrough. Now, there's the beauty. I like to look. There's my wife, right? I want to make sure I'm... No, 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 no. That's you, right? Yes. I. I... Okay, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I got to do this little rabbit trail here. Sometimes there's some rabbits worth chasing Gotta have meat on them right but uh so one day at crate for the nation bible school dallas texas it would have been june of 2000 yeah june of 2000 and i was in my that in a class that summer on the priestly role of intercessor i was sitting right up in the front row like you ladies right here front row i'm like notebook bible out getting everything i can just saturating the anointing of god on the 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 professor he's speaking somebody in the back has a question and when I turned around to look, I saw this beautiful, blue-eyed girl smile at me. And my heart was like, duh, 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 duh. and I even turned. I was like, wait, did she just look at me? Like, or somebody sitting next to me? Like, I was like, like, man, that was a smile. And so the next few days in that same class, whenever somebody asked a question, I was like, this, I was like, <laughs> so she said, she don't remember any of that, but I said, "I do because my heart skipped the beat in that moment. And so the secret place, our eyes lock with God, and our heart skip a beat. Man, come on, somebody. Man, I, I, I don't know about you, but man, when I get home tonight, it's like, man, I want to lock the door and get before the Lord in the secret place. Just lock eyes with him, the lover of my soul. And so, David, am I doing okay on time? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank you, Father. Because in this play and this is what I want transition to here. Just several points, quick, easy points here. But I want actually, uh, hold on, I got one more passage I need to, to do here. First Samuel sixteen. Thank you, Father. Because this is key, this is key. To walk in the anointing of God. To walk in the anointing of God. Thank you, Father. The Father is good. The Father is good. The anointing of God. Okay. First Samuel 16. We have a moment here. Where this prophet Samuel is in mourning because of King Saul, who has uh, deviated from the ways of God, and so the Spirit of God left Saul, King Saul, and so Samuel's in mourning that he had anointed Saul as king over Israel. But then the Lord, the voice of the Lord, speaks to Samuel the prophet and says fill your horn. In other words, put six quarts of anointing oil in your horn, for I have, you, I have for you to anoint the king that I've chosen. And so, so Samuel goes to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and he begins to, uh, he tells Jesse, bring out your sons. So he brings out seven sons. And he, uh, he begins to... Let, let's just read some of these uh, specific verses here. Um, and he says, uh, verse 6, or verse 5. Let's just read the last part of verse 5. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at El- 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 Elab, and said surely the lord's anointed is before him verse 7 verse 7 this is key but the lord said to samuel do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because i have refused him for the lord does not see as a man sees for man looks at the outward appearance But the Lord looks at the... Oh, man, you guys are good. The Lord looks at the heart. And my precious daughters over there have beautiful hearts before the Lord. Amen. And so God looks at the heart. He is looking at your heart. He's looking at my heart. He sees the heart. We, like Samuel, get caught up looking at the physical stature that's how samuel was impressed when he first met kings or Saul before he was king because he was the tallest man in all of israel he looked like the prototype probably linebacker for the nfl you know he was just big stately stature but yet he still had not learned his lesson here in this moment because the first son comes out lab and he's again thinking, oh surely this is the one but no the Lord says I do not look at what man looks at but I look at the heart I'm telling you we are going to see I'm sorry another rabbit trail here we're gonna see God raise up another a new generation of prophets that are, are, are those that whose hearts have been dealt with by God in such severity that all they desire is Christ yeah. because we need to hear we need a pure prophetic stream that comes directly from the throne of grace unfiltered by the the yucky stuff that sometimes we like to add on to it and I just believe man, been the last two and a half years God has been burning my heart crying out to him god will release the pure stream of the prophetic in this hour and i believe god is raising up a fresh uh, a fresh company of prophets who will be pure 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 and not tainted with the the desires of this world so father we just agree together that lord you see the heart of and that, God, you are raising up a generation, a specific company of prophets, Lord, who have not been defiled by the ways of this world, but God, their hearts yearn for you and you alone. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm sorry, that was a little uh, side note there, but I just had to uh, speak that out. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And so so we're talking about the, the heart. So. So let's verse seven. Verse seven. So he, so God looks at the heart. The Father looks at the heart. So Jesse then calls on his other sons to follow through. And it was like a checklist. No, 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 and no. I think that was six altogether plus the first one. So seven no's right there. Even though they look good, but the heart wasn't right so verse 11 so samuel said to jesse are all the young men here then he said there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep and samuel said to jesse send and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here so he sent and brought him in now he was ruddy with bright eyes And good-looking much like David you know David and David both good-looking right David (laughs) now lost (laughs) okay and the Lord said arise anoint him for this is the one ah those words arise arise anoint him for this is the one arise anoint him for this is the one who is the one speaking of david a shepherd boy that's been hidden away in the 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 sheep field among a bunch of let me say that like this stinky sheep i mean my goodness i may not be able to see well i might not be able to hear well but my goodness i can smell well and I would not want to be around some stinky old sheep. Whew! My goodness. And so he was cultivating a heart in secret with the Lord before the eyes of one. No one was around but a bunch of blah, 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 bunch of sheep. But yet David, in his youth, was was cultivating that that. That heart after God. And how do we know that? Because in in chapter 1 Samuel 15, there's only two places where it's mentioned. There in in Acts where it says, I have found one who's a man after my own heart. Even at that young age, the youngest of eight brothers. But yet he was a man after God's own heart. That's the one. When God finds a man or a woman after his own heart, he says, Arise, for that is the one. Anoint him, anoint her. Amen? Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. I wanna talk. My goodness, I keep saying this. Uh, I feel like this message. Uh, Thank you, Father. Lord, help me condense. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let me ask you this question. Do you want the anointing of God? Let me ask you a second question. Are you willing to pay the price to walk in the anointing? What you're going to look at if you have your Bible, just turn to Matthew 6. I promise we will close after this. Matthew 6. I'm going to share this portion here, even though I did not originally plan on teaching on this part. But I, I just sense the, the the grace to do so in this moment, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because David, before the eyes of one, cultivated a secret history in God. Now, one of the greatest. Assets, if I can use that word, assets that we can have in our life is our secret history in God. It's priceless because there really is a a book in heaven that God has scripted for our lives where each day has been ordained of him. And I just can't imagine how much he has written already concerning that secret history that he desires to have with each one of us, with him alone in the secret place where eyes lock eyes with the uncreated one. Amen. And so Matthew 6 is, on the, uh, is the teaching that comes from the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus. And I'm not going to read verse by verse because we literally would be here till 2 a.m., but I, I want to uh, just give a brief overview, the snapshot, and I think you guys can take it home with you and, and to, uh, to mull over it more. But I'm, I'm condensing like several messages into just quick little bullet points. But we have three staples here where Jesus himself gives you uh, keys to cultivating a secret history with him and a secret place. And so, the three staples that he, the three keys that he teaches us here in Matthew 6, starting verse, the first section, verses one through four, is the key of giving in secret. Giving in secret where you do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, where you give in secret out of sacrificial love. Thank you, Father. I remember a few years back, I was uh, ministering to a family in their home, and it was a family of five, and they had three children, and their middle-aged daughter was probably, uh, I'm guessing, about nine or ten at that time. And as I'm prophesying over the children, I look to the nine year old, I pull out my wallet, I had forty dollars in cash, I pulled it out, and I said, Young girl, I said, God has called you to be one who gives in secret. And with the permission of your parents, I'm giving you this forty dollars that and that under their watchful eyes that that uh, that you would take this forty dollars and that you would be led of the Holy Spirit, and to give in secret. And so we have to cultivate that lifestyle of giving, where we don't necessarily post everything on social media. And again, nothing wrong with it. There's a time to testify of what God has done. But there's also a time to cultivate a secret history before the eyes of one. And you have to know the difference when the Lord does not give you permission to share something online that, that you have done with Him. There are times where He says, no, that's too intimate. That's just between you and I. And you have to have ears to hear when you don't have permission from the Lord to do that. Because learning to give sacrificially in secret is such a key part of cultivating a rich a rich a rich history in God that's your first point point. and again later read through Matthew 6 we're uh, just running through these verses at this moment so verse that's 1 through 4 then when you look at 5 through 15 it talks about go and shut the door and pray to your father who is unseen in secret so this section talks about prayer where we we cultivate this deep intimate relationship with christ in the secret place in the place of prayer and this is absolutely essential to cultivating a heart that is pliable in the hands of God. A heart that is uh free from ulterior motives. And and heart that uh that is just pure, just a pure heart that doesn't have an agenda. And so so that's the place of prayer. Now I do want to highlight verses 14 and 15 at the very end of that, right after the Lord's Prayer, because it's it's the part of the The ongoing conversation that Jesus is having, uh, or not conversation, but the teaching, but in that last two verses, He talks about forgiveness. So your secret history in God, in a place of prayer, requires that you be obedient to Him to forgive all. That's a that's a tough one to chew, especially when you've been hurt, especially when there's maybe some offense in your soul that the enemy just wants you to keep lodged there in your soul. But that offense becomes a slither of darkness where you permit the enemy to have access to your mind and emotion and will. So that's why forgiveness is absolutely paramount. So, so in this place of prayer, forgive those who have hurt you forgive those who have betrayed you forgive those who have taunted you and abused you so that's the second key to cultivating a secret history and god it's like a, a like a, a bullet drive by here so um but the third one the third point in this In terms of how to cultivate that secret history in God because that secret history in God creates in you the grace to be able to walk in the anointing of God and that's what we're after in terms of being mantled in Christ to have the character of Christ likeness that can be smothered and saturated with the anointing of his spirit thank you father So the last point here, this is probably your favorite, I know it is, fasting, (laughs) fasting. Now, (laughs) there is a grace for fasting. The best way I can explain it to you is this, because some of you have, I never, let me say that, some of you have fasted, and it was like the worst day of your life. I remember the first time in college, 25 plus years ago, I fasted and I remember all I could do was keep, I kept running to my refrigerator, and I got the big thing of Sunny D, remember Sunny Delight, that orange, and I was just like chugging it, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, yeah, and then, and then I break, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't have drank all that, that big old thing of Sunny D, but then I break my fast by going to Taco Bell. I was like, "Oh man, my stomach doesn't feel too good." <laughs> so, so, my point is, I've learned a lot over the last twenty-five years in terms of what not to do and what to do in terms of fasting. But I will tell you this: if you have found it difficult to fast, now again, I understand. There's some you have. There's some that have physical uh, limitation that you need to be careful about and I, and, I, and i there's grace for that there's other ways to 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 be obedient to the lord in this but but for those that are fasting from food because really what jesus is talking about fasting from food here's the key instead of you just like you know kind of gritting your teeth a little bit like like i'm going to get through this thing ask the lord to send you an invitation to fast you remember the kid getting like an invitation in the mail to a party? Oh my goodness. It was like, it was so exciting. I like, get to go to a birthday party and you got this like invitation and that invitation gave you access to the birthday party and you got to go and have all the good and, and the fun, the balloons. And, and hopefully there were a good party host and gave you a little party bag treat to take with you back home, you know? And so that being said, when, God, when you pray for an invitation to fast, God actually answers that prayer. And when you say yes to that invitation to enter into that place of fast, there is a grace from heaven, a corresponding grace to walk out that fast in the grace of God. I'm not saying it's easy, 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 but there's a grace there to do it. It's not like you're gritting your teeth trying to bulldoze your way through something. But there is favor from heaven on that invitation that enables you to cultivate a fresh perspective on the secret history in God. So I want to challenge you in that to ask God. Actually, I want to ask you, are you willing to ask God for his invitation to enter into a a time of fasting in secret before Him. So we've learned tonight that in order to cultivate a character of Christ likeness, a pure heart, we must employ these three keys the key of giving in secret, the key of praying in secret, and the key of fasting in secret. I'm telling you, you, do those three things before the Lord, where you lock eyes with Him. There's going to be a precious, beautiful history in God that you begin to walk out, and these are things that years later, decades later, you will forever remember, and these are moments you'll have with Him that are part of your history, that that is absolutely beautiful and deeply meaningful. And so in this place there is uh there is a grace from the lord to to walk in his anointing and i just want to close with this story because in this place of fasting and giving and praying and secret god begins to change the heart he begins to uh bring transformation so that we reflect the very nature and the character of God as some of you heard last night in my story my testimony uh, for years God put me on the back shelf because there was impurity in my own heart that God was dealing with and sometimes when God deals with us he he mercifully puts us on the back shelf and so For years, I was thinking I missed it. I blew it. I messed it up. And I was so frustrated, so angry. And as I approached my 40th birthday, the Lord gave me an invitation to enter into a prolonged fast before Him leading up to my 40th birthday. And so in the midst of this time, and I'm not going to go into all the details tonight, but it was absolutely life-changing. And God marked me, marked me for the rest of my life. A few months afterwards, on February the 1st, 2015, I uh, had a moment where it was like God confirmed What he had done in my heart. It was like a a moment where I could see the Father smiling on me as his beloved Son. And so I want to read, it was actually, this was a mess, or it was an, I guess, an email that I had sent to a friend. I just want to close with this email to give you a little glimpse into this moment because it parallels what I'm trying to share tonight. My heart it's in a good place. I've found my groove in spending more time before the Lord, in studying and in prayer. That has been tremendous. Most of all, I'm content in where I'm at. Even if I never get to preach or minister from the pulpit again, I'm absolutely okay with that. I've uncovered a hidden joy within my heart in learning to abide in Him in the secret place, to find my contentment in Christ and Christ alone. Truly, one of the best decisions I've made was getting rid of my businesses. That was simply my vain attempt to make myself look to be significant and successful. God is so good. Another interesting development from last month. Out of the blue, Steve Strang of Charisma wrote to me one night. He wrote, still interested in writing for us? Look at the commentaries we run on our website. Just send me some on topics where you're passionate and we'll see where the Lord leads. That night, as I laid in bed with Aneta, I spoke from a deep place in my heart. Sweetheart, I really don't care. I just don't care. By this, I was referring to the previous drive and ambition I had to attain significance in the eyes of others. Something broke in me. After my 40 day fast this past fall, I cried out to him in utter desperation. At times in the past few years, I felt almost suicidal because I despaired that I had so little to show for my life as I embarked upon turning 40. I thought I'd miss my calling. Despair taunted me at times. Then, I'll just give in to the depression, which silenced the despair and numbness enthralled me. Now I'm completely at peace. If nothing substantial ever happens through me, I delight in being hidden in Christ. Oh, what a delight. It is Christ alone who makes my heart alive. I want to extend, by the grace of God, an invitation to each one of you to come and to surrender everything to the Lord. And in that place of surrender, I believe he will anoint you afresh as you sit with him at this table of breakthrough. He will pour out the precious anointing oil upon you in this place of total surrender father we ask we ask you right now for this invitation to embark upon a new chapter in our secret history with you father we ask that you extend this invitation through Christ the Good Shepherd to this table a breakthrough even in the midst of the taunts Even in the midst of past memories that haunt us, God, we ask you by your spirit, extend that invitation from the table of breakthrough where the good shepherd Christ himself sits. and father, help us to see what is before us in this very moment. We don't have to go looking or searching, but Lord, it's before us right now, the table A breakthrough thank you father extend that invitation that we may come to seek you and you alone in a place of sacrificial giving in a place of deep intimate prayer in a place of fasting thank you father thank you father if you need to respond to the Lord tonight, I just want you to stand up where you are. If you are responding to what I just prayed, that you are responding to the Lord's invitation, I just want you to stand right now where you are. You are responding to the Lord's call, His invitation to the secret place as you give yourself unto Him to cultivate that deep history in Him so that you may walk the anointing of his spirit. Thank you, Father. This has been Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Join us each week as we pursue God's heart for passion, purity, and prayer.